Hello, you are listening to Radio Maria, and this is Just Life, and uh, I'm delighted to uh, welcome today um, David uh, Fussell. First, first of all, David, I I hope that I'm pronouncing your uh, your your surname correctly. Well, there are different pronunciations. We normally say Fussell, but a lot of people call me Fussell and like that, so I'm fine. You know? Okay, I don't know if I've made you more posh or, or less posh, but David oh. Fuss, David Fuss, <laughs> Fuss, Fuss, Fussell. Yeah. Um, uh, but David, Dave, well, welcome. And um, reading a little bit of uh, background uh, about you, sort of, um, it was like a fascinating story, a, a difficult and a and a and a tough story. But but one I hope that will um, yeah give give our listeners a real uh, insight because just reading a little bit about even the experience as a as a homeless person getting a tent for you and why that was was necessary is. Um, yeah, like heart heart wrenching to to hear. So, David, if you if you just tell us a little bit about about yourself. Yeah, my name is David Henry Fussell. I I I came to uh, back to London because I consider myself a Londoner. My parents were North London, but unfortunately, I, in two thousand and thirteen, but I was homeless very sadly at the time. A lot of things have gone wrong with me. The, I had a major flood issue with the house my parents had left me, which ended up costing me ninety grand of extra damage which wasn't covered by the house insurance because your house contents insurance is that and I had so much damage done to the exterior of my house it put me in quite a difficult financial situation and uh, the interesting and unique bit of my story is that I came to London with a hard drive with a feature film on which I'd made in the interim period after the flood and everything. And um, I eventually managed to release that and Vice Documentary did um, did a documentary about about that called the homeless film director hence why i'm often known as that yeah and te- so so in that sort of uh that doc- documentary like, tell tell us a little bit about 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 that well i managed to release my film on uh, on a um um a, like a pay-per-view platform and uh, i i was quite exhausted uh, on the run-up of getting it ready and releasing it on the paid per view. And um, I, I just had a few sales as well. And I went to an art group, which I sadly no longer exists, but uh, at the time it did. And I had some good friends there. And I, I just sat down there and I said, oh, I've just launched my film. And uh, the friend of mine, Aaron, he said, that's amazing. And Aaron's quite a, a person that writes off to the newspapers. And he wrote off to the newspapers and then what happened then was that uh, Vice contacted me and they made a documentary and they actually got me a, a premiere screening, that screen on the green in Islington. So that was an astonishing experience. Fantastic. Um, and if, peop- if people want to watch that film now, is there, is there a platform on which they could view it? Um, you can find the trailers. It is on, uh, if you Google, there are links but because at the moment I haven't paid up my Vimeo Pro, I will be doing that hopefully before Christmas. I'm not sure whether you could hire it, but you might be able to. Okay, okay. And then I'm also delighted to um, welcome now, we've got uh, Howl um, Sindrin and, and Father Dominic Robinson. Now, I haven't seen Howl in uh, in many, many years, but he used to uh, used to play music at the, uh, at the first Sunday masses um with young adults masses at, at farm street i'm not sure either of us count as young adults anymore um and uh, and that's where i first met father dominic but sort of how is now uh, i followed his his musical career taking off with uh with uberfuse so so welcome howland do you want to just tell um, listeners a little bit about yourself and and what you do Yes, thank you so much for the invite today. Um, a bit about myself. Um, well, as you as you rightly say, um, um, music in a faith context is my background, um, um, and um, it's possibly unusual for songwriters today to allow their faith to um, infiltrate their 
their creativity in the way that we do. But um, that probably sets us apart from um, other aspiring artists today. Um, our faith is crucial and central to all that we do. Um, and combining that with the traditional tools of the industry, so to speak, um, a guitar, um, a piano, possibly, um, certainly vocals. Um, so we sit, and I, I could describe a, a good way to tell you what we do is to describe the process around hard times, actually. I think David is smiling because he, <laughs> <laughs> he knows that it was quite, it was, we literally start with a blank piece of paper and a, and a crazy concept. And the crazy concept was we don't feel currently people have the right perspective on this issue of homelessness. Uh, what, whatever the reasons are for that could be a multiple um, range of reasons. Um, so um, David and I, I went down to the homeless restaurant that Father Dominic um, puts on every twice a week, um, staffed with waiters and waitresses from the local Catholic churches. And I was introduced to David um, because of his musicality. Um, I know he's a film director as well, but he has musical skills up his other sleeve. Um, so we, we, David had his, his dinner, and then when he'd finished, um, we, we went off to a side room with a guitar, a blank piece of paper, and we just, what did we do, David? We just jammed, I guess. Yeah, we, it was just constantly jamming and, and coming up with new ideas, and it gradually evolved. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and what was key for us was we've heard the story of homelessness through other songwriters like Phil Collins, Another Day in Paradise, like um, Ed Sheeran, um, the A-Team, and maybe many other songwriters, but they always take the viewpoint of, I'm over here looking at this person over there, and it's very, and they paint pictures of, of, um, of destitution and um, suffering. And it's always I, me over here, you over there, and there's a gap between us. Um, we thought we'd flip this on its head and um, go, okay, what does homelessness look like when you're in your sleeping bag, lying in a doorway, watching the world go by? Um, and so that, that, that kind of creative spark got us, got the whole concept going. Um, because it then became clear what we were trying to do and the lyrics, the music, everything flowed on after that, I, I think. Is that a fair, a fair account of how it went, David? Yes, definitely, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and we, we sort of, I think we sort of hit it off musically. We did collaborate very well over this. It just, uh, it was really interesting trying different things and uh, seeing what worked and then now hearing the final results. And then the uh, um, sort of getting uh, Snoop Snoop Dogg uh, in, involved is that is that where Father Dominic comes into the story and he uses his contacts in the musical business or or how how, how did that come about? Sorry, but I mean you can tell that story if you want, but <laughs> it happens slightly differently, um, in as much as obviously. We work in London and we know a lot of the studios in London and we know producers in London. And we were working with a producer who likewise worked with Snoop Dogg um, on occasions. And he was able to um, make a connection for us on our behalf with Snoop Dogg. And um, that's how it came about. Yeah, and Father Dominic, will you tell us a little bit about the um, the lunches that you that you run at at Farm Street? And it, it might be surprising to some people to to sort of hear that this is necessary in Mayfair. But tell us a bit about how it started, perhaps, and what you were doing during COVID, and and why it really really matters to serve such 
good food. Sure, yeah. I um, mean, excuse me, my voice, my voice, I've got a, um, a bit of something going on there, so apologies. So I'm not going to be singing along today either with hard times um, or any Christmas carols or anything like that at the moment. Um, the, um, uh, the, the, the service started, as you rightly say, during the pandemic when there were um, a lot of people, about 200, 300 people left on the streets and we got together a group from the different Catholic churches in central London and we were originally giving out food in Trafalgar Square and clothes because there wasn't um, there wasn't there weren't any any venues where we could we could actually go for health and safety reasons and for concerns from the local community as well um, about um, about having a, a service for the homeless um, near, near to them um which was quite sad in itself um, because it was much more of a problem than um people were were making out and uh eventually after various different uh di different services we provided during covid we kept that group of volunteers together and the links we've got with local hotels and restaurants who were uh, were wonderfully wonderfully generous to us during the um during the pandemic to keep a lunch service going with all sorts of other things going on as well at the service on Wednesdays and, and on Saturday, Saturdays. So um, some job fairs and haircuts and creative writing and scripture, study and prayer um, and, uh, um, and board games. And, um, and we've got a great team of volunteers as well. And, we, and um, it really is, it, it is, it seems to me, very much a community. Um, and as Hals points out, it's a restaurant. So whereas uh, the, the idea of helping the homeless with food has been traditionally that the idea of a soup kitchen, as it's called, I think it's an absolutely dreadful word, um, soup kitchen. No, it's not. And, you know, um, we recognize that we are all the same, that one of any one of us could be one or two steps away from becoming becoming homeless. Um, that uh, and th that's true indeed of our volunteers. We we discovered that, um, and we've had guests as well who um, who have also helped on the service. So this community feel is exactly what Hal is talking about. That it's not it's not them and us, which you often get in some of the um, some of the songs about homelessness. You know. Um, this is a different way of looking at things. The song reflects what the uh, what the service is about, and it's a restaurant. It it, um, it tries to afford dignity, giving people time, befriending, um, uh, and giving good food as well, which is provided by the local community, who also um, are happy to help, and of course, people are happy to help with funds. It's recognizing this is a blight in our society and it's it's something which we're all involved in we can't stand stand aside and, and say um, oh that's a problem which needs to be solved we i think um can best address this issue of rough sleeping the street pop the st growing street population now numbers which are going up and up and up in central london and around the country because particularly because of those who are new asylum seekers coming onto the streets. We're seeing huge numbers um, and also larger numbers coming to our service. We can't just ignore it. And the way to, the way to address it um, in services is first of all to recognize that could be me. And this is my sister and my brother who, um, whom I am serving. Um, so, so that's what, that's what we do. And that's, that's how we um, came to this um, this project, the song, which is raising awareness of the of um, of what what what's actually going on. And and just before we sort of play the play the the song, David, I wonder if I might ask you one more question about because Father Father Dominic said there about all of us are potentially sort of you know just one or two steps from homelessness, and and you mentioned about you know. There you were in a house and a and a massive flood. So, how, how did it feel, and how do sort of other friends of yours feel when you when you hear sort of Swella Bravum and sort of like describing homelessness as a as a lifestyle choice? 
Well, it, 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 it comes out of ignorance of the situation. And obviously, these people are so out of touch with what most of us would call reality, you know, and it, it's obvious with that sort of statement. I mean, I'm now thankfully housed because I got myself to Falmouth University and I'm on a film course and I'm having a wonderful time in beautiful surroundings and a beautiful room. And I wouldn't have got here if I hadn't been able to use a tent on the sidewalk to look after my equipment and my safety. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to have done that and got myself off the streets. So if you force people not to have tents, then people will be in such a bad state, uh, far more than they are anyway. And a lot of opportunities or a lot of things that people expect people to do, like go and get yourself a job. I always worked when I was homeless. I had a job at Next in Fenchurch Street for four and a half years, and I worked for the, the Swiss church on Endell Street, and I managed that because I could keep myself tidy and clean because I was under shelter. I wasn't getting soaking wet if the rain came in hard. So, you know, I think really and truly there needs to – if people don't want to see people in tents, which who wants to see people in tents, we need better housing to be available because the housing conditions in London, uh, the sort of room I'd get in London would be half the size of the room I'm now living in at Falmouth University, and it would probably be rodent infested and perhaps cockroaches and everything. And I'd be spending probably £1,200 a month for that sort of room. And then that's how people get trapped on benefits and can't get off benefits. So, yeah. And just just pick up on one thing you said that so you know I think most people presume that the tent is for is for for warmth and, and for shelter and obviously that. But you mentioned about safety. Well, yes, because I, I mean the thing that I, I never liked having a tent earlier on on the street because when I had a job and I had to be up early in the morning, it's an extra thing to pack away. And I used to love getting up and just going swiftly off to work. Uh, but when I was starting to develop the film and I'd actually uh, packed my job in, well, because it was such a big job getting the last post-production of the film, uh, a, a sad incident happened one night when people were just smashing bottles up and down Tottenham Court Road and they were just throwing bottles around and one of them smashed in my face. And that's because I wasn't in a tent and I was just sleeping in my sleeping bag. Now, thankfully, it only gave me a small cut on my forehead, but that was extremely lucky. It could have blinded me or whatever. And it was after that uh, that I said, well, I've got to make sure I'm in a tent because that wouldn't have happened if I, if I was in a tent. Okay. Well, let, let's take a take a listen to the to the to the song now. So this is "Hard Times" um, by Uberfuse featuring Snoop Dogg. Hard times. Okay, so. That was uh, Uberfuse uh, featuring Snoop Dogg and uh, and Hard Times, and a, a yeah really really great track and and some pretty hard hitting um, lyrics. Uh, so Dave, Dave, tell us a, a little bit more about your your involvement. How how mentioned sort of earlier that the, the two of you met at one of these lunches, started sort of jamming, and and how how does the idea for the the song come 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 about? Well, uh, what it was, uh, the wonderful volunteers at the Farm Street Church, uh, which Father Dominic is uh, is obviously the main organiser of and everything, they, they knew I was musical. So obviously the word got around and some of them actually subscribed to my Fussel Films YouTube channel. <laughs> they, they often like my music I put up. So uh, Father Dominic uh, introduced me to Hal and... Uh, and like Hal said, we after I had a meal, which is the vital service that they do for all of us homeless there, it is very important. That's why I'm so behind, you know, raising funding to hope keep all this going and maybe even expand things because things have been so hit by the lockdowns, as Father Dominic explained. And then we, we just had this wonderful collaborative time, which went over perhaps three weeks. You know, we met maybe three uh, for maybe a few hours and we just ran through the song and tried different things. And, uh, um, you know, so um, 
it was a wonderful experience and actually the, the video if people check on youtube and watch the video which is doing very well on youtube uh, that was shot the night before i moved to falmouth university and the interesting thing was um that i'd heard obviously the whole idea was to get a name attached and i was just over the moon when you know i got told that snoop dogg had been part of it and when i heard his contribution and obviously saw it with the video it was quite amazing well i think this is this is my best ever chance of getting uh street cred amongst my uh <laughs> amongst amongst my school friends and particularly my university friends um, right. especially the non-religious ones and saying that yeah. on radio radio maria i've been speaking about snoop snoop dog because we we all had a like massive uh like nostalgia from sort of uni and school when at the at the Super Bowl halftime show there was a sort of last was early early earlier this year um mm. you know there was a great uh, a great show featuring all the sort of you know great sort of hip hop artists from uh, from from a while ago and you know Snoop Dogg is as big bigger name as there is yeah really so yeah. It, it is a, a a massive name to 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 get to get on board Yes, it was fantastic, and, and the the wonderful thing he said about it, you know, giving back—that was he, he. That was one of the, in one of his statements to, to the press was that, uh, you know, if you have, he says, I think you should give back. He says that's why you, that's how you keep. Do you know? And I thought that's a wonderful attitude to have. You know, to to be that. Uh, obviously, most entertainers of all types have known hard times in a real, mm. you know. Obviously, quite a few people have been homeless as entertainers. I mean, if you read a lot of the early Beatles stuff, they were sleeping in backs of vans, which is technically a homeless, aren't you? You don't have facilities and necessarily easy meals. You know, they're, they're past is like that. So there's often a good empathy, even between people that have become quite famous. They do often empathise and understand the homelessness situation. Yeah, although it, it makes me think of that uh, J-Lo song, which I'm not, a great fan of about that where she sings don't be fooled by the rocks that i've got i'm still jenny from the block yeah well which yes, seems yes. a bit seems yeah, a bit patronizing seems a bit patronizing yes i never was a fan of that no <laughs> that didn't impress me no um, and, and and i wonder if if with you and um, father dominic might have anything to say like there there's a there's an instagram account that i follow and it, and it's called sort of uh tales tales from the street um largely sort of american there seems to be a, a phenomenon now of like videos where just interviews with people on the street and some people sort of criticize it as exploitative and and other people sort of see yeah. it as a positive thing giving giving people a, a voice and a, and, a, and a platform but what what would be both your thoughts on that well i think providing that they've they know, you know, I mean, providing they're not interviewed and not realising it's going to end up on there, they give permission, then I I would think that's all right. A friend of mine who's an ex-French foreign legionnaire who does very well for himself selling the big issue, and he actually doesn't use handouts now. He's managed to, he says he likes to look after himself and, you know, and treat himself like and everything. He got interviewed by somebody doing their own private blog and, it's very unlike him to agree to be interviewed and everything, but obviously he had a rapport with this person. As long as it, you know, it's not somebody, you know, taking advantage. I mean, we do sometimes have people take our photographs without asking permission, and that is very intrusive. I find. Yeah, and rather don't like watch your experience having worked with with so many homeless people now. Like, is there a desire to have their their stories told and and heard? Well, it, it, my experience is that it's mixed. You know that um, that many want to have their their um, anonymity and um, and their privacy, and that has to be totally respected, just as anybody in society should have that totally respected. Um, I think, as uh, homeless service providers um, and um, the faith groups have done just so, so much, you know, um, especially during the pandemic, but over these last, over, over these last really 40 years, you know, the Catholic Church has been involved in this and leading the way on homeless services. Um, as John Bird, the, the, um, edit, the editor of the big, the founder of the big issue, 
um, said, um, we need to move away from handouts to giving a hand up. And that involves advocacy. It involves telling people stories. It involves um, uh, telling stories from the perspective of those who are actually on the streets. And so we, 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 we don't want to intrude. That's absolutely vital because that's the dignity of every, every human being not to be disturbed. And especially when, you know, people are, are really at their lowest and, um, and are experiencing a lack of dignity. They can't be exploited. But from the perspective of those who are providing the services, I think we need to find ways in which we can tell the stories from um, the, um, those who are rough sleeping from their perspective, um, rather than from our own perspective. Uh, as we've been saying, that's what the song is about. You know, it's, um, it's about telling the story from David's perspective. And the more that we'll do that, the more that we will raise awareness of what rough sleeping is about. Because there are a lot of people, I think, out there who, and I meet this all the time, who think that the, the issue is, is to do with, as Suella Bravman put it, lifestyle choice. Um, or it's, it's to do with drugs. It's, um, it's not, um, it's not something which, um, which we, um, we can, um, can solve. We can't eradicate rough sleeping. We can't address the issue adequately because it is the choice of the individual or for whatever reason, they've got into really bad habits. But I know that that's not true. Those who do our outreach know that's not true. And that story needs to be told from that perspective. Um, even if it is not from the individuals who, who, um, who speak themselves, but we need to bring their stories to light of when I walked down Oxford Street on a Monday evening with our, our um, St. Vincent de Paul, um, soup runners, we still call it, in fact, um, uh, because we do give soup and we give sandwiches. Um, but it's a service which also involves involves befriending. You know, I meet people one after the other who are sleeping rough and ask them, um, yeah, do, do, you, um, do you want to find accommodation? And they say, well, we'd look for accommodation, but um, the hostels are full of drugs. Um, and um, uh, I you ask, have you anywhere to go? You know, say no, um, because there was a relationship break, break up, my boyfriend or girlfriend, and uh, I, um, I don't have any other family, you know? And it's that kind of story which needs to be told, I think, um, even if it is secondhand. And the more that we can try and engage people to tell a story, um, perhaps when they're, but only when they're ready. I mean, here at Farm Street, we, we have, um, like I mentioned before, other people know, um, uh, Andrew White, our artist in residence, is um, also uh, someone who has, has raised awareness of homelessness through um, doing what David's talking about, um, of going out on the streets at night and with permission, making sketches anonymously of homeless people. And that's valuable too. We've had a couple of exhibitions. It's called The Fragile Line. And uh, that picks up how the, the, the sketches are line drawings. Um, and it's also the fragile line between being in, in society um, and then being in what has become a forgotten part of society. Um, where people slip into that. And so the more that we can tell the story from that perspective, holding the dignity of the, the individual, then I think the more that we will be able to address the issue of, of homelessness. That, that's my view. Yeah. And so you um, had a, a Farm Street in, installed a, a kind of very sort of powerful sculpture of the of the home homeless jesus uh can you tell us a little bit about sort of reactions 
to to that were there any people sort of voicing this dissent about that and and perhaps david you you mentioned you know what what how you found that sculpture maybe david to go first yeah oh okay well i mean it's often discussed amongst our homeless of course often in his life jesus was homeless wasn't he not only when they were in the stable i mean the stable wouldn't be classed as a as an abode even back then but often other times in his life you know uh, so obviously there's a, a great connection and often actually i i think a lot of homeless people whatever their faith whether they have a lot of faith or not a lot of faith or something can at least respect the fact that that person probably had more in common with them jesus had more in common with them perhaps than you know than maybe the outreach worker trying to persuade him to go into as as Father Dominic said, often the unfortunately the night shelters are full of people on drugs, and of course if you're not on drugs and if you're not into that scene, you don't want to be around those people. So they they feel that uh, there is that connection, obviously, uh, there. And I I you know I mean it it might shock some people from a you know they've never experienced homelessness, but if you you know if you think about it and read the Bible, well, Jesus was homeless a lot of the time. Yeah, and, and Father Dominic, sort of the reactions to the to the sculpture that you've heard. Has anybody said to you, oh, "I don't think that's appropriate"? Or no, um, no, they haven't. No, I haven't had one person say that to my face. At least that doesn't mean that people haven't said it. Um, but um, I, I really do believe that that on, on consideration that many people have um, been. Um, uh, uh, being humbled by by the statue, it takes time to take it in for many people because they see there is this um, person on a park bench um, at our Our Lady of Seven Dolors altar, and often people will spend quite a lot of time there, and um, they won't realise what's going on until. Um, they look at the explanation or often, which is part of the sculptor Tim Schmaltz um, genius, when they see um, that the only part of the body that's showing are the feet and that the, the wounds from the nails are still there. And so uh, people come and they, they often sit on the bench at the end of the bench. They, they um, they leave flowers there. They leave they leave clothes there as well, which we take to the passage. Although we've um, advised people to put them in a different place, but it's still um, we understand. Sometimes people really feel yes, I I want to I want to leave them there. Um, and I want, really want to help. So so it, it's art which really moves people to to faith and. Um, it makes people think, it shakes people up, I think, and it brings people to have a faith in a in a real Jesus, um, in in a Jesus who, who, as David said, was indeed was indeed homeless, um, grew up in 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 poverty. He was, um, uh, as we'll be celebrating at Christmas again, you know, born in poverty in a stable and then immediately hunted down. And that was his life. Um, so this is the real Jesus. And I think, um, I think people, uh, when they stop at homeless Jesus, hopefully they do, they do recognize that. There was um, uh, one of our, one of our um, homeless parishioners um, a few weeks ago, uh, I was hearing confessions and there was, um, um, which is in the, the, the room next door, and there was a break in, the, in, in confessions. And, um, and he came in and he said he'd been um, reflecting in front of homeless Jesus um, that morning. And he decided that he was going to try and uh, get off the streets and to go and reconnect with his family in another city. Um, now, I'm not sure it actually happened, but it was fascinating that he wanted to talk about that, that he wanted to say that um, just being in front of homeless Jesus was enabling that 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 reflection. So it's a very 
it's, it's a very powerful and um, for ourselves, I suppose, the nation um, uh, method of, um, of um, spending time reflecting and looking at who Jesus is and how Jesus looks at you um, as Ignatius would have it in the spiritual exercises really, really um, uh, is really powerful for many people. So it's a very valuable part of, um, of, of the art in the church. Yeah, and that and that placement, you know, uh, of it um, in in front of the the statue of of Our Lady of Dolores, Our Lady of the Seven Sorrows. Like that's not accidental, is it? You know, like the the first sorrow is that is the flight into 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 Egypt. That exactly. that homelessness experience, that that refugee status experience from yeah. the, the very the very beginning of 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 his life. Yeah. Exactly, I, I I find that very powerful myself. That Our Lady is is looking down on um, on on her son here, um, and and it's compassion, it's grief, it's it's raw emotion. Um, you know, Ignatius, Saint Ignatius, always said in the spiritual exercises, go to Mary to um, to uh, learn about her son, and so it fits very well that she is she's looking down. And feeling what what he is experiencing, um, and uh, and so you know we always um, we always find a way to to um, to the son through the through through the mother, yeah, yeah. Um, so we might uh, listen. We, we've been speaking about uh, getting into into, into Christmas. Um, <clears throat> Uberfuse have also got a, a, a another single. Um, out at the the moment, um, featuring uh, I think a, a young Palestinian lady, um, Justina, um, and this is called uh, "Hear Angels Cry." And um, we might sort of reflect once more as 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 we listen to this the the the, the massive number of of people who who once more sort of find themselves uh, without without a home this Christmas through 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 no fault of their own um, victims of uh, of a truly tragic set of circumstances. So this is Here Angels Cry by Uberfuse and Justina. And um, one of the things I uh, wondered if you could uh, if you could tell tell us about is what 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 practical advice would you would you give for for people who who want to who want to help the the homeless? Um, like you hear mixed messages sometimes you you encounter people on the underground who are asking for for money, and then you hear you hear on the ta- on the tannoy. On the underground, sometimes you know, please don't give to to people on the carriages, and and they recommend certain charities that you can give to if if you want to support the the homeless. David, what what would be your experience, and how what helped you, and how did you? Like obviously, you were you were working, and you've managed to to get to to Falmouth. How did how did that happen? 
Um, well, I mean, I would say I've never begged on the street, although obviously I don't have any judgment against people that do beg. I have a few friends that do that to get by because they don't want to be signed on with benefits and have all the trouble that, you know, that benefits can sometimes give you. Um, because, for instance, I wanted to go to university in 2013, but they just started the sanction system on benefits. And I thought my try to go to university would be classed as a job search. Well, it wasn't, and they sanctioned me. So that's the sort of reason why people often don't want to deal with the benefit system. My main point I would say to anybody that wants, if you see a homeless person, please do talk to them. Some people want to be left on their own, and that's fine. They'll probably let you know, and you can just walk away. If you set up a nice conversation with them, then it's up to you to really judge on a one-to-one -one basis, like you would chatting to somebody in the pub, whether you think they're an okay person or not okay person, you know, and you could judge how you would deal with them, you know. If they're obviously obviously on drugs and alcohol, I wouldn't advise anybody giving money if that for that reason, because it would only sadly be used for that. But if you chat to somebody and lots of people have talked to me and sometimes gone, Oh, here you are, mate. You know, and I've accepted it because to reject a gift, do you know what I mean, can be as sometimes seen as an insult. So often I have been given money on the streets because people can see by both how I talk and my demeanour and how I dress that obviously I wasn't going to run off and buy drugs and alcohol with it. So you should judge how, I mean, don't ignore a homeless person because often they are literally, it's an isolating world sometimes where you, you just literally, although there's thousands of people around you, it's it's probably the most isolating place sometimes. So just even have a chat, you know, just talk to a homeless person if you have time. That's great, you know. I mean, I, I it often comes up on... on um, on the social media about Robin Williams, the great comedian actor. And apparently he would insist that the production uh, would actually hire homeless people on every production he took place in. And I think that's wonderful. Mm. You know, uh, and they did. There's lots of photographs of him with homeless people who obviously, whether it's turned their lives around, they got to feel a bit of dignity and a bit of connection, even if it was only temporarily used. You know, yeah, it, it's it's very interesting what you say about not not rejecting a, a a gift because I found in a in another sort of context as as a as a priest that sort of gifts are often the way that people want to enter into into relation with you. And somebody once said to me like, it doesn't matter like what you're offered as a priest and whether you're not hungry or not, except except the except the gift. Um, yeah. And so, like people in airports who said to me, like, "Oh, would you would you like would you like a biscuit, Father?" And it's not that they're really worried whether they want a biscuit. That it initiates. It's one of the ways that we build build relations. Yes. yes, well, especially I mean, the food. I mean, it's different common to humanity all around the world. Is uh, we have this thing of sharing food, don't we? I mean, it often comes perhaps from a time when food was very, very even more difficult to come by than it is today, if you know what I mean. And and we have this thing that you know, uh, welcoming if you uh, welcome people by offering them some food and sustenance. And this is, I think, a basic, uh, you know, nice side of human nature. And also, what I would often do, and my friends would often do, is. It's, you don't really like to turn gifts around, but what would happen if I'm not hungry and somebody's given me a lot of sandwiches because they think I am hungry, have these sandwiches? We would go out then and try and find other homeless people to give that to. Or what happened one night, uh, it was nearing Christmas, my friend and I was, was at the bottom of Tottenham Court Road near Warren Street Station, and there was a handout we used to go to then, and we were waiting to go, and somebody dropped off loads of cans of food and we knew they ran a night shelter and it was really heavy for my friend and I to carry. But we carried all these cans of food. It was only a few hundred yards, thankfully, to their uh, meal night. And we, we donated that all to the night shelter, you see, because you don't want to waste food if you can avoid it. So that's how it, it tends to work, you know. Yeah. Um, and Father Dominic, what are your experiences of sort of obviously you know, we you offer the the the, the lunches sort of unconditionally, um, but you, you know, and it's not provisional upon accepting 
other other forms of 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 help but but how what what are the the needs that that people have and and, and where do you direct them to and and where usefully might um you know if we're speaking to somebody on on the streets and and they you know they have that real desire to to get off where where would you direct them well one of the key places which we work closely with in london is the passage um who are able to um, provide um some kind of um uh, uh advice on how to how, how to move on in, in in life um other places around central london like St. martin the fields and the connection um will do will do the same um there isn't enough of that i think i think that's that's true uh we have worked with um with a couple of companies around um, around job fairs um in in the service um but very often uh it's um it's get as david said it's getting into those conversations and finding often people um uh, know what they what they really need to do to get back you know to get back into in, into work back into society um they they, they have the have the the outline of that and it, it it's 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 befriending and it's being involved in those conversations i think there are various schemes, but it's developing that relationship first, I think. Um, very often, I think, um, those who are at their lowest ebb, they feel that they are, they are completely forgotten and, um, and just befriending and getting to know people. Um, there's a, there's a huge, there's a huge, um, lack of accommod of suitable accommodation. Um, that's a major problem. So we need to we need to to try and provide much more of that and in a dignified setting. Um, so the one of the real issues is when people call at the church, which they do all the time, and they are looking for a bed for that night. Um, they're newly homeless and uh, there's, they, they, there's nowhere they, they can go. There's often there's a story about. Um, about family breakup um a loss of job or um or abuse at home and and there uh it's it's it really what you really want to do apart from spend time you know give time um and perhaps give give some food um find a place where, where they they will be able to get some food um what you really want to do is provide a bed for the night and uh people who are newly homeless they say that you know after a couple of nights on the street that was um and i don't david experience this is but but you know he's a he's an incredible story you know um but many people get um get really worn down and stuck in the system of being on the streets after just a couple of nights the the the, the there is there is if if you see if you see someone on the street and um, and the, obviously the first thing is in addition to spending time in addition with them in addition to uh, perhaps giving money um, although I wouldn't recommend that a lot of the, you know all the time either um, really to discern wh when when someone needs it and when they don't um, that's what we do here um, uh, advising getting into this conversations advising have you been some have you been to the passage have you been to the citizen advice bureau have you been to your gp there's a very good um gp service at the coddle hume center as well specialized in homeless medicine um all those services are around the catholic church largely providing around victoria um, and westminster uh but beyond that and finding a bed for the night that's the real challenge i think i think housing first is 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 really key because once you give someone a bed for the night you give them some food give them a bit of dignity then you can enter into those conversations i think that's what we need in london or mm. anything else we need proper um a, emergency accommodation for the homeless i suspect that parish priests have this same Experience, has a similar experience if it comes up in our deanery meetings when somebody 
come and we are we have maybe three or four people a week who call at the door and um are looking for accommodation um and uh because we've got a name for doing work with the homeless and we have to say the only thing we could do is to phone the emergency um number called street link um and um and then you have to stay in the same place but you're not able to be visited for maybe 48 hours and be assessed so we need something more than that we need we need you know so it's very difficult how does the general public work with the homeless when actually the facilities the services aren't as great that are in many ways are great and you can point them to them but we need uh, urgently need uh, more money being put into this i think into into emergency accommodation so you can always help with your money you can always help with funds um, and that will uh, go to a much needed much much needed um, uh, increased services great I, I, i'm really really sorry that we're uh we're, we're running running out of time um now but i'd i'd love to get you both back on and, and david I'd, I'd love to hear a bit more about what you're what you're doing and, and what you're, you're you're studying on your on your film degree and and, and the okay. projects that you've you've got in, in mind so we'll be in touch and consider yourself invited um well thank you very much indeed that's yeah. very kind and, and Father Dominic, I wonder if you just might close with a with a prayer for us, please. With, with, with pleasure, with pleasure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Lord, as we move through this season of Advent, we pray that we may be made more and more aware of who this Messiah, who is coming into our world again, really is in his humanity in his brokenness in his vulnerability may he move us this christmas to show the human face of christ to the world and especially to our brothers and sisters on the margins who are most in need we ask the intercession of our blessed lady, mother of your son. Our lady of Palestine. Pray for us. Amen. Amen. So David Fussell and uh, um, Father, Father Dominic, thank you so much. And, and I'm sorry that we lost uh, Hal um, Sinjin, um, but, but thank you to for Hal for the, the time we had with him but uh close with a, a meatloaf quote uh two out of three ain't bad that we had for for, <laughs> mo for, for most of it so thank you <laughs> thank you thank you very much um both of you and god bless thank you, thank you.